You know, something that has always struck my heart when I've read the scriptures, especially the, the New Testament scriptures, is how consistently throughout the historical records and the letters that we have there, soldiers are always cast in a very positive light. Uh, I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but if you wor work your way through the New Testament, you will find that consistently soldiers are cast in a very positive light. Now some would say, well, aren't soldiers responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ? And of course the answer to that is yes. They, they were responsible for the physical act of crucifying Christ upon the cross. But it's important to note that they were just following the orders that were given to them. And no one would have nailed Jesus to the cross had Jesus not given them permission to do so. This was all in the plan of God anyway. Uh, but other than that, have you ever really stopped to consider the, the positive light that soldiers are cast in? The very first time that Jesus acknowledged personal faith, it was the faith of the centurion when he said to him, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Um, you may remember that it was a Roman centurion that oversaw the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And taking in all of the events of that day, at the very end, put it all together and said, truly, this man was the Son of God. When the Holy Spirit was first poured out upon the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the house of a Roman centurion named Cornelius. Even the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 13 that the soldiers, the authorities of that day had been appointed by God that the authority that they had was given to them by God and that they bore the sword not in vain, but rather they bore the sword to execute justice upon the earth, to be peacekeepers, if you will, of decency and order on behalf of Almighty God. And I say all of that to say this, that there are those, probably not here this morning, but there are those who might look upon what we do this year and what we have done every year for many years in honoring our veterans and say, well, there, there's no place for that in church. This is a worship service. This is about God, and there's no place for that here. I just respectfully disagree with that. Because the Bible also says to honor those whom honor is due. And I am thankful for the freedom and the liberty that I have, and I'm sure that you do today. And though I give God the praise for that, I am also thankful for the men that, and women that God raised up to work on his behalf in keeping that freedom and that liberty in Jesus' name. Can you give God all the praise for that? So again, we thank you. I love what Jackie said right there towards the end. She said that my time in the military prepared me to be a soldier of Jesus Christ. I mean, 
That is something that we all should consider today. That as we sit in the midst of these men and women who served our country, it should remind us that we are soldiers and it should inspire us to live as soldiers of the cross of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, and he said, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Make no mistake about it, we are in a spiritual war. Would you turn to your neighbor and tell them, you are in a spiritual war, amen? And if you are in Christ today, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, by default of that, you are a soldier in this struggle. You are a soldier in this battle, in this war. And there are no conscientious objectors. There are no neutral parties. If you are a follower of Christ, you are engaged in a struggle, and it is a spiritual war. And in the midst of these men and women who have served our country faithfully as soldiers, we should be inspired today to be soldiers for the kingdom of God and to fight the good fight of faith. Think about it for just a few moments. Of all the illustrations that the Apostle Paul could have given for the struggle, for the dedication, for the intensity of our commitment to Christ and living for Him and keeping His Word that we experience as Christ followers, He uses war. Of all the illustrations, the Apostle Paul was a preacher just like I am. And I know that as a preacher, as an apostle, he was always looking for words that would best illustrate the, the point that he was trying to make. And that when he considered the commitment and the struggle and the difficulties that we as believers experience in Christ, he said, you know what, the best illustration that I can give is that of being in war and we are serving as soldiers in this struggle. And that is seen all throughout his letters. Most famously, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10, where he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil or the strategies of the devil, the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. In another letter he wrote to the Corinthians, he said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not of this world, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Paul made it very clear that whether we see it or not or recognize it as such, we are in a spiritual war and we need to take that seriously, being soldiers of Christ. And writing to his spiritual son, Timothy, in our text, 
who himself was growing weary in a time of great persecution, Paul reminded him of his responsibility of being a soldier and even the characteristics of a godly soldier. And that's what I'd like to talk about here very quickly. Is not only our responsibility of being soldiers in the kingdom of God, but even the qualities of a good soldier in the army of the Lord. First of all, we are to be good soldiers. We are to be good soldiers. He said right in our text, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier. We're to be good soldiers, not average soldiers. We're not to be complacent soldiers, not part-time soldiers. We're not even soldiers in reserve. We are to be good, consistent soldiers day in and day out. Now the problem with the word good is that we use it so often today that we fail to recognize its significance. I mean today, let's be honest, we use the word good to describe anything from the meal we had last night to the time we had with our family. We'll say, that was such a good meal. We had such a good vacation. We had such a good time last night. We throw it around so often that we fail to recognize what the Bible means when it says that we are to be good. That we are to be good soldiers. The word good in the Greek language meant excellent. It, made, it, it meant noble. To be a good soldier would to be a noble soldier. Would be to be an excellent soldier. And it actually carries the idea of being heroic. Of being courageous. That if we are good soldiers in the kingdom of God, we are to be heroic. That we are to be courageous. That we are to do things that are legendary, that long after we're gone, men and women are still remembering how God used us for His glory and for His honor. Can I hear a better amen than that? How many of you want, long after you're gone, for men and women to remember you as being a heroic, courageous man or woman of God in Jesus' mighty name? We're to be highly decorated soldiers. We're to be men and women who do not back down from any struggle or any fight. We not only engage the enemy, but we're willing to go the extra mile and do that which is above and beyond the call of duty. We're to be men and women who have counted every cost of serving the Lord and having counted that cost, never surrender under any circumstances. Say, never surrender. Come on, say it better. Never surrender. We cannot give up. And sadly, can I tell you, in the United States of America, we've lost sight of that. And it's because we never really had any pushback to speak of. I mean, we'll all talk about persecution that we've experienced. Come on, let's be honest. We have never suffered persecution in this country. So somebody made fun of me. Oh, come on. That's not persecution. We'd be hard-pressed to find real examples of persecution in this congregation this morning. Real persecution. Yes, there have been people that have mocked us. Yes, there have been people that have resisted us. But the foundation of this nation, one of the hallmarks of the United States of America, is the freedom of religion. No one harassed you for coming to church today. No one tried to stop you from sharing your faith this week. We have liberty. How many of you are thankful for that? 
But with that freedom, we became soft. We didn't have to be courageous. We didn't have to be heroic. Unfortunately, now many of us are seeing the handwriting on the wall. Persecution is coming to the United States of America. If God does not intervene quickly, you and I with discerning eyes see persecution coming. The days are upon us where serious decisions are going to have to be made. Where in order to keep your job, you're going to have to go with the line that the United States of America is going in. You're coming into a day when you're going to have to be courageous. When you're going to have to be heroic to live for Jesus Christ and to hold fast to the truth that we hold dear in our heart in Jesus' name. And I pray that when that day comes, we will be found courageous and heroic and not disappoint God who has enlisted us in Jesus' mighty name. Can you say amen to that? Secondly, we must endure hardship. We must endure hardship. Every one of these soldiers, no matter when they served and what period of time they served in, would tell you that they endured hardships on many levels. And as soldiers of the kingdom of God, we also must endure hardship. Some of these soldiers actually served during peacetime, if you will. And that is not to undermine their commitment. They still committed their life and were willing to go at any time to protect our freedoms and our liberties. But some of them did serve in peacetime and never saw combat. Can I tell you today, that is the difference between a soldier... Uh, in the army of this world and a soldier in the army of the Lord because there will never be a moment when there's peacetime in spiritual war. There's never peacetime in spiritual war. In fact, Peter said, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. He's saying presently the devil is walking about like a roaring lion. Presently he is seeking whom he may devour. And presently, every day, we have to resist him steadfast in the faith and endure hardship. I love how he says it. You must in your hardship. In other words, he's saying failure is not an option. You have to at some point say, I'm going to be stubborn. I don't care what hell brings against me. I must endure hardship. You cannot surrender because there are other brothers and sisters that are counting on you, doing your part and standing fast in Jesus' mighty name. Some of the translations... Some of the other translations translate that verse in 2 Timothy that we just read as our text. It says, take your share of the sufferings. The idea is that it's not just one individual that is suffering. The body of Christ is suffering. Remember Jesus himself said, 
um, that the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent taken by force. The body of Christ is suffering. And we are to take our share of that suffering and we are to fight the good fight of faith. That's the idea that is here. That we're all in this together and we all have to endure whatever comes our way and fight through it in faith in Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. Because if we collapse, then the whole line collapses. Folks, we march on together in Jesus' mighty name, enduring every hardship that comes. Third, we must be engaged in the battle. Every good soldier is engaged in the battle. Paul actually says no one engaged in warfare. Wow. You cannot disengage. You cannot retreat. You must be engaged in the struggle because that's what soldiers do. They fight. You know, this past week... I had a conversation with someone and they said, you know, every once in a while you have to come off the battlefield and recover. Well, that may be true in the physical world, but where are you going to retreat from? There is no place where the enemy is not. I mean, I I know that there are times when the battle is hotter than in others, but the reality is, as a believer, you cannot come off the battlefield because everywhere you go is the battlefield. Your battlefield, if you will, is the mind. There is no rest except in Christ, our Lord and our Savior, in Jesus' name. Soldiers engage in warfare to hold the line. They engage in warfare to occupy what they've already taken. And they even engage in warfare to actually advance the purpose of the country that they serve. And in the same way, we are engaged in warfare every day. First, we are told in Scripture that we are to engage to contend for the faith that has already been delivered to us. But it's Jesus who taught us to occupy until He comes. And yet the last thing that Jesus said is that we are to go into all nations and make disciples of all men and women. Folks, we never stop. We never surrender. When we get to heaven then we'll rest. But today we fight. Tomorrow we fight and we engage the enemy in Jesus' name. That's why Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7, this is months, maybe even weeks before his execution for his faith. He said I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. May it be said of all of us that we fought the good fight, that we finished the race that was set before us and we kept the faith. The reality is, and make no mistake about it, you're either fighting or you are being defeated. There's no middle ground. Everyone in this room is either fighting the battle or you are being defeated. And that leads us into the fourth characteristic of a soldier in the army of the Lord. We must not allow ourselves to become entangled in worldly matters. We must not allow ourselves to become entangled in worldly matters. Notice that he says, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. That's so important. Everyone here, did you notice this? Everyone here is either engaged in warfare or entangled in the world. Everyone in this room is either engaged in warfare 
or you are entangled in the world. There, there is no middle ground. There's no other option. You are either actively engaged in warfare, fighting the good fight of faith, or you are entangled in the affairs of this life. That word entangled is so remarkable. The, the, word, the word entangled there means to weave. It's carrying the idea of being woven into the fabric. So what he is actually saying here is that no one that is actually engaged in warfare allows himself to be woven into the society or the culture that they live in. That they are separated from the culture. They are engaged in warfare. They're not woven into the society. I was thinking about the best way to, to try to illustrate that with you. And, and that whole thought of being woven in. I thought of garments that we would wear. And it doesn't matter whether you're talking about a shirt or a dress or a suit or a sport coat. Oftentimes you will look at a garment and even though it is one garment, there are differences. There are variations within it. They vary in color. The one garment might have a number of colors in it. And it may even have a different pattern even though it is one garment. It's just woven in. It's it's various, it's, it's different in many ways, but it's still one garment. And I wonder if that is maybe a picture of what's happened to the church in the United States of America. That rather being a garment unto ourselves, we have woven ourselves into the fabric of our culture. Where even though we can see some differences, the reality is we're all the same. Have we become so woven into the fabric of the culture that we, even though we recognize that we are different, we move and bend and stretch with the world and haven't come out from among them and become a garment of righteousness in the world that we're called to serve in Jesus' name. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? The reality is, even though we will say we're against this and we don't believe in that and we don't agree with this position, the reality is many of us, the only difference between us and the world is that we take two hours a week to come to church on Sunday morning. And beyond that, we watch the same thing that the world watches. We drink the same thing that the world drinks. We go to the same places that the world goes. Come on, am I talking to anybody else here today? We're to be different. We're to come out from among them. We are soldiers in a war. We're not to be woven into the fabric of our society. When was the last time that we were as concerned about the advancement of the kingdom of God as we were the next Marvel movie? Where are our investments of time and money, our resources, our creativity? Emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, many of us have become so entangled with the cares of this life that we have no room to advance the kingdom of Almighty God in the earth. Come on, can I hear a better amen? I know, I know you're thinking, man, I didn't know, don't, I could be at the beach right now is what some of you are thinking. We've got to examine ourselves and ask ourselves, are we representing soldiers of the kingdom of God, or are we just playing war games? In Luke chapter 21 and verse 34, Jesus warned us. He said, take heed to yourselves, watch yourself, lest your hearts become weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and that that day come on you unexpectedly. 
I remember one time when Jesus was on the road, someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. The inference there is that this individual was more concerned about his own pleasure than he was the kingdom of God and did not follow him. He said to another, follow me, but he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. You go and preach the kingdom of God. Another one said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of Almighty God. Now, some people look at these words and say, you know what, these are highly controversial. And and what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying just what he said, that making a decision to follow the Lord is to go all the way with God and that if we have set our hand to the plow but we look back continually we're not fit for the kingdom of almighty God. God has to be number one in our heart and in our life that's what a soldier does when the soldier is home and he gets a call and says you need to be here on such and such a time he can't say I'll be there when everything else works out. He's got to stop what he's doing, what she is doing and has to go into the battle and the same is true with you and I we can't make excuses, we've got to do what God has called us to do in Jesus name and then finally the last quality I see here in this text is that we must please our commander in chief He says that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Through the years I have talked to many veterans who have said that even though their drill sergeant or even though their captain or the one that was the superior, the one that was leading them was tough and was hard, they had a tremendous respect for him. They had a tremendous respect for that superior and they wanted to please them in all that they did. Folks, if they can please a man, then how much more we should be pleasing our Father in heaven. Amen. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 9, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Paul said in Colossians 1 and verse 10, That you may walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul again said in 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 4, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. Finally, John said in 1 John 3 and verse 22, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Everything that we do should be done to please the Lord. Why? Because he enlisted us into this army. That's what he says, and we please him who enlisted us. You know, Jesus said something very interesting. He said, you haven't chosen me, but I have chosen you. Now, does that mean that you did not surrender your life to the Lord? No, of course you did. It just means you didn't go looking for God. God came looking for you. How many of you know you're saved today? Not because you went looking for the Lord, because He came looking for you. And He saved you out of your selfishness. 
He saved you out of your sin. He wrote your name in the book of life. And because of that, we need to be pleasing Him in all that we do in Jesus' name. Living for one thing and one thing only. And that is that one day when we cross over, the first words we hear from our Savior and Lord is, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. In Jesus' name. We need to please Him. Last week I shared with you the vision that I believe the Lord has put into my heart. We're going to talk more about it next week, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you think that that's going to come easy, you've got another thing coming. Because if this is really from the Lord, you can expect hell to come against this church and against you as individuals to discourage us. But we fight on in Jesus' name. Come on, stand to your feet here today. Give God the praise in this house. Come on. Give him all the praise. Magnify his name through his name. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this beautiful day you've given to us. And I thank you for all of these men and women that forsook going to the shore to be in the house of God. To praise you, to honor godly men and godly women who served our country. But I pray, Lord, that as we leave today, we would remember that we are no less soldiers. That we are serving at the Lord's pleasure. May we please you in all that we do as good soldiers. May we seek to honor you in all that we do and all that we say. We ask it all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said amen and amen. Yeah, give the Lord praise again in this house. Bless the Lord. Everybody, have a wonderful Memorial Day. Be safe. God bless you. We'll see you soon.